This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. And welcome along to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. We are gearing up for the big one. Wales versus England. World Cup survival is on the line in Al Rain tonight. And who will be going through to the knockouts? The situation's pretty clear for England. They need to avoid a heavy defeat to book their last 16 spots. But for Gareth Bale and co, they need to win this one and hope for a bore draw between Iran and and the USA. Plenty on the line, and we'll be previewing that game in part one of today's show. Some key selection calls on the horizon for Gareth Southgate. Will he answer the nation's call for Phil Foden, and will it be three Lions at the back for Gareth? That's a big, big call that he's going to have to make as England look to progress through the tournament. In part two, we'll be going into the crystal ball and looking at who England could face in the last 16 and even further down the line, who could be on the horizon in the quarter finals. Yes, wall charts at the ready as we hit permutations mode. And then to wrap it all up, we'll be checking back in with the day job. Yes, that does still exist. The FA Cup third round has thrown up five all Premier League ties, including Manchester City against Chelsea so that's to come at the end of the podcast but first and foremost it is World Cup so let's get cracking my name's Fergal Brennan and counting down the hours to kick off we have Marley Anderson checking the clock yeah just uh, waiting for the the lineup that uh, will infuriate me <laughs> no doubt um, and then waiting for the, the game which will probably do no different than infuriate me as well but as long as we get through that's the, the aim of the game and uh, we'll we'll see Well at least you're positive about it that's the most important thing the worst thing would be to be super negative about a, a high pressure game Yeah I think well I, I was a little bit negative <laughs> on yesterday's podcast but that's just uh, 
because I think that England might have overlooked this situation a little bit. I feel like there's a bit of a, um, a bit of overlooking sort of nature creeping into to the the mindset. And you know, if if you've been there in 2016 when you watched us lose to Iceland, you know that England are capable of of uh, slipping on a banana skin, which everyone else can see except themselves. So I've been I've. I've I've done this thing before, I've ran this route before, it's not my first rodeo of watching England at a major tournament absolutely balls it up, so hoping another one uh, doesn't happen tonight. Yeah, overlooking, overcooking, there's the potential for a lot to go down tonight, uh, praying for a half day, Joel, Joel Tudor also on duty alongside Marley, you just waiting by the clock? I mean, just before we were all just mourning the death of the 10am games, UK time, which, as we've all grown really accustomed to, was so nice to have in the background. Now it's just got Phil and Holly just talking rubbish. So, um, yeah, we have, to, we have to just keep our eyes firmly on the 3pm kickoffs now, unfortunately. We do, indeed. Uh, for anyone listening uh, outside of the UK, I don't even know how I would describe that reference of, of Phil and Holly. Uh, <laughs> just just keep yourself away from it, I'll, I'll say. We'll just uh, just keep yourself away from it. Watch something else. Uh, watch Netflix or something in the morning. Uh, right, we're going to move on uh, away from Netflix and uh, Phil and Holly to the football and the big one tonight, Marley, England against Wales. Wales against England in Al Rain. Just a quick recap on the picture in Group B before we get stuck into it. England are top four points and four uh, plus four goal difference. Iran in second, three goals and minus two goal difference. The USA third, two points with zero goal difference. And then Wales rock bottom with one point and a minus two goal difference. So... For Wales to go through and England to go out, Rob Page's side would need to win by four clear goals to get that particular double whammy. But just a win on its own will be enough if the USA draw their third game of the World Cup against Iran. We're going to talk predictions a little bit later on, but I just wanted to get that out of the way so we know where we are. Looking at England um, going into this game, Mali. The big talk, as always, with England at a major tournament is who's playing, who's not, and what an absolute mistake the manager is making in every single call that he makes. So we're going to look at some of the players that could come in and uh, and might get a bit of a rest. First one, uh, according to the Times, Jordan Henderson is going to start over Jude Bellingham. Bellingham has obviously been excellent for England so far, but he is still a relatively young player. Henderson, bags of experience, been there, done that with Liverpool. Is this a call that you would be in favour of, given the fact that, I get what you're saying at the start, England cannot be complacent, but the signs look positive and there's a lot of football being played and hopefully for England even more football being played in the days to come. Is this a very Gareth Southgate sensible and good call? No, um, I think it's a very Gareth Southgate call. Um, but I don't think it's the right call. I don't think there's many people listening to this podcast from a, uh, an England persuasion that would that would drop Jude Bellingham. I know he wasn't brilliant against USA, but show me any England player who was brilliant against the USA. I don't think anyone anyone was really. Um, Maguire had quite a good game, but that's about it. Um, I I don't I don't understand this. I feel like Southgate just he, he feels. Um, the, he knows what the public sort of are baying for and he knows what they want, but he seems like just totally happy to go directly against it. It's like everyone's calling for food and he'll, he'll not do that. Everyone wanted Grealish in the uh, in the Euros two years ago and he, he, t- he took about three games to get him on the pitch. Um, and it just... 
I don't know. I, I don't understand the problem with not playing Bellingham. Um, sorry, with playing Bellingham. I, I don't understand what you gain from Jordan Henderson that Jude Bellingham hasn't got other than maybe experience. But I feel like with experience comes a bit of... A, a, England will probably play a little bit too safe with Henderson in the team. Um, you know, he's, he's not a sort of dynamic midfielder who will take you through... Uh, take you through the midfield and get you into higher positions in the pitch and stuff. He's just sort of a, a sideways ball carrier sort of thing and he'll go sideways, he'll he'll cover defensive runs and things like that. But we shouldn't be scared of Wales beating us by four goals because if they beat us, they beat us and that's embarrassing enough. But, you know, they'll want to... They'll, they'll go for it at 100%. But I don't feel like... Um, sort of being timid is the way to deal with it and uh, I'm not a fan of uh, Henderson at the best of times but I'm certainly not a, a fan of him starting over one of the most talented young players in the world that we've got who's high on confidence and high on life the way things are going for him in the last two years I think just play him getting that experience in the major tournament against a against a banana skin um, and then uh, and, and then reap the rewards in the future but I feel like his, uh, these rumours are true and Henderson's going to start. We might get 20 minutes of Bellingham in the second half or whatever. Uh, the other big call that is doing the rounds this morning, Joel, is Kyle Walker, uh, the most experienced player in terms of age in the England squad. But he's been absolutely dogged by injury since the start of the season. Hasn't played for Manchester City since the start of October. But a rumour from the Telegraph today is that he is going to be back in the team and perhaps more importantly, Gareth Southgate is going to a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2, depending on which flavour you prefer. Kyle Walker, Harry Maguire and John Stones as a back three, and then two wing-backs either side. Taking into consideration that this is a game that England are strong favourites to win, are well-placed to win, and then ahead of them have got knockout game after knockout game if they want to go all the way. Is this the right strategy? Defensive solidity is important. But is a five-man defence going to win a World Cup? Well, I think first and foremost, we know from Gareth Southgate that he's always going to be risk-favoured over trying to be, you know, exuberant in his lineup or trying to be super attacking. Because I think we were all quite shocked when they played Iran and it was with a four at the back. I was shocked just because we've known that that three at the back formation is one that got them to the final of the Euros and the semi-finals of the World Cup. But I think with a five at the back, it's showing way too much respect to Wales, if I'm honest, just because I don't really see a massive amount of threat there, obviously apart from Gareth Bale. But when I think Southgate looking at that USA game, I think he's been a little bit shocked in terms of just how susceptible that defence was to attack after attack where USA had probably the best chances of the game they should have put at least a couple of them away I think they hit the bar at one point as well the the, the, the defence just looked way too fragile with the four I don't know if it's because there was a lack of protection from the midfield but I'm thinking Southgate's going to look at that game as a reference point to say if we go go against the better teams, you know, like you mentioned at the start, France, or potentially, you know, if you go further, it could be Portugal, Spain, all of these dangerous teams. I don't think Southgate would be comfortable with playing a four at the back formation. And as we've seen as well in the last few years, Kyle Walker's been a pivotal point of that three at the back formation, which has gotten England so far in these tournaments. But, you know, 
not playing till, since October. That's a it's a long amount of time to then jump straight into a very highly pressured situation. But it's going to be telling, to be honest. If the, if there is a game that Carl Walker should be brought into, it is probably this one because I wouldn't want him coming straight into a knockout game. Um, you know, off the match rhythm and not playing with his teammates for months and having to try and pick up the pace is going to be difficult for him. But I think with Southgate, I'm pretty confident that he will revert back to that five at the back. I think the four at the back was almost as if he was bowing down to the pressure of using all these attacking players, but I just don't think he has a system to put them all in, to be honest. I don't think he knows how to utilise all of the talent. So, yeah, I think going forward in the tournament, in the knockout stages, three at the back probably is the more wiser choice because it's been proven to work. Okay, moving on to some of the slightly more exciting decisions that Gareth Southgate might or probably won't make for this one tonight, Marley. Uh, I want to talk about Phil Foden because the whole of England seemed to be screaming at their television during the United States game in the fact that Phil Foden was not brought on. He was not one of the late changes made by Southgate to try and find a way through the US press. Jordan Henderson came on, Marcus Rashford came on, Jack Grealish came on, and none of them really made a significant impact um, against the, a US team that performed really well. When you look at the numbers that Phil Foden racks up for Manchester City, it is quite impressive. It's only really Bukayo Saka that's in the squad that is outperforming him in goals, goals and assists for, for club football so far this season. And you stretch that out to some of the other metrics of uh, shot-creating actions and goal-creating actions. He's number one as an English player in the Premier League for pretty much all of those this season. Southgate for me, got himself a bit muddled after the game when he was asked and he said, I didn't bring Foden on because he doesn't play centrally for his club. And then social media was flooded of videos of him playing in the middle for Manchester City and kind of proving that wrong. And then Southgate said that he wanted pace out wide. That was why he brought Rashford on. And then you think, well, the reason you didn't bring Foden on because you wanted someone in the middle, but then you also wanted someone out wide and neither of those people was, was Phil Foden. For whatever reason... Gareth Southgate just doesn't seem to fancy him in major tournaments. Going back to Euro 2020, he started the first two group games. He got subbed off in both of them. And then other than a bit of a cameo against Denmark, he didn't kick a ball again. He hasn't started in this tournament. Probably not going to start tonight. Why does Gareth Southgate not play him? It It is very England that at a major tournament, player X is the reason why England have not won the World Cup. But this one is a real head-scratcher based on how well Foden is doing for City. Yeah, I, I think with... Well, I, firstly, I don't know the bloody answer because I think everybody listening um, would would play him. I think everybody um, who follows England is, is asking themselves the same thing. I think maybe... I think maybe it's a, a case of Southgate not thinking... Not knowing where he's where he's most effective, um, I think you know at times this season I think Foden's played mostly from a wing. Um, you know, is is he gonna? I mean, he always picks Sterling, so that's one thing, and he he does seem to love Bakayo Saka. And after the two goals in the first game, I feel like he's he's pretty much untouchable, even though he was really quiet in the uh, in the game against America. So. It's for me. I think it's probably one of those things where he doesn't want to put him into into midfield because it's a, it's a totally different role. Even though I'm pretty confident he could play there, but that sort of defeats the point of taking other centre midfielders. But 
I think with uh, with that, he doesn't want to change the system to, to to include a sort of number ten who can who can sort of find that pocket of space because the 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 four three three worked so well against uh, Iran that he was never going to do it against America. So um, I, th- I don't know really. Um, I think if you listen to, I mean pundits and every everyone saying it, everyone's asking the question, why isn't he playing? He's He's one of him and Bellingham are probably the future of England's national team. So um, to not play the pair of them, um, which we might be looking at tonight, is going to infuriate fans. And if it doesn't work, you know the uh, the feeling towards Southgate, if it wasn't already, is that that he uh, he's too safe and he needs to he needs to be replaced. Um, I can see him. I can see it being Sod's Law where he comes on and he has a really quiet game now uh, after everyone's uh, after everyone's sort of clamoured for his inclusion. But it's it's one of them where if you don't play him, you don't find out. You know, if uh, if you leave him on the bench and England fail to inspire and, and don't look any good and you labour to a you know a one nil win or a nil nil draw or something like that, then I think it does more damage than than finding out if uh, what like, what he can do in a certain game. Uh, someone else who's a bit of a polarising selection pick, arguably even more than Phil Foden, Joel, is Trent Alexander-Arnold from Liverpool. He's yet to kick a ball uh, at the World Cup so far. Missed out on the Euros through injury. He's back in the squad this time round. And there is this massive divide amongst England fans of one section saying he's a sensational attacking right back. Look at what he does for Liverpool. He's Amazing. He's basically having a midfielder at right back, and then there's the slightly more solid characters that would point to some of the issues that he has in defence. If England go to a back three where Carl Walker comes in, there is more license for the wing backs, Luke Shaw on one side, and then whoever on the right hand side to be a bit more forward focused. And again, just digging around in some of the stats um, from the back end of last season, and these are absolutely wild for Trent Alexander-Arnold. In the Premier League, he's top for XAG, which is expected assists and goals. For a right-back, that is absolutely mad. Shot-creating actions and XA per 90, he's top above everybody. Not just English players, everybody in the Premier League at the back end of last season. And there's always going to be this point made of, yes, he might get out-jumped for a header, but those types of numbers for an England team that was sorely lacking in creativity... If you're going to play extra defenders, surely the idea is we want to allow our fullbacks to do their best work. And I include Luke Shaw in that, which is in the opposition half. Surely that is a move tailor-made for Trent Alexander-Arnold. Have you noticed how the fingers being pointed down the pecking order of the England squad is ridiculous? Like, I bet if Foden starts the next game and he has a quiet one, the whole punditry in England fan club is going to be pointing towards Trent Alexander-Arnold saying he's the saving grace, he's the one that should be starting, he'd change the team if he started. It's almost like everyone's trying to reassure themselves that we're one player away from improving or we're one player away from the team clicking after the USA game. It's a load of rubbish, to be honest, because after the Iran game, absolutely no one was clamouring for Trent Alexander-Arnold or Phil Foden to come on. Okay, granted, Iran weren't great that game but you have to give credit to England because they actually outplayed them for large periods and we shouldn't take for granted at the fact that England won 6-2 at a World Cup when you look at how poor the results have been at the last four World Cups which has been awful obviously pre-2018 so for me 
I just don't really understand why everyone keeps label like everyone's trying to find a hero. Everyone's trying to desperately clamor onto someone who could potentially change the dynamic of the team. But the fact is, Southgate Southgate system doesn't accommodate these types of players. Phil Foden, he's not a winger, he's more of a kind of modern day number 10 which don't really exist anymore in Guardiola's side I know he starts on the right but he's he kind of drifts he's all he's everywhere and nowhere almost like that David Silva role in Southgate's system is very regimented you know uh, Sterling 100% stays on the left Saka 100% stays on the right there's not really room for you know maneuvering around and interchanging positions and I just think with Trent Alexander-Arnold, I know he's amazing. Don't get me wrong, he's incredible for Liverpool. But I just feel as though their system allows that for him to really shine and bring out his strengths. And I think with the way Southgate plays compared to Klopp, where Klopp's Liverpool suffocates teams with the high press, they dominate possession for large periods of the game. If we play Trent Alexander-Arnold against France... We're not going to have a lot of the ball that game, I would suspect, and we're going to be under the cosh a lot of the game with the likes of Kylian Mbappe, Kingsley Coleman, uh, Ousmane Dembele. They're going to completely throttle England's defence for large periods of the game. And then you have to ask the question, well, who would you be more comfortable with defending that? And I'm, I don't buy into the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold can't defend because I do think he's pretty decent. Obviously, maybe not as good as Trippier, but going forward, Trent Alexander-Arnold is, is probably one of the best ones, I would say. But again, he just do, I just don't believe he fits with what Southgate's looking for, and that's fine. So for me, I just honestly with Foden and with Trent, they're absolutely great players, but I genuinely do not understand the furor around them because, like you mentioned, Fergal, uh, Foden started the first two Euro games and he wasn't good enough, and he got benched for Grealish and Saka, and they both came in and rose the team to a different level. So you know everyone's just desperately trying to find this knight in shining armour and it's not going to come I'm afraid. Uh, just looking at Wales before we take a break Marley because it is do or die for Rob Page and, and Gareth Bale in terms of their progress into the last 16. A four goal victory would get them the double of qualification and knocking England out. The most feasible situation for them is a win over England and then needing a draw in the other game between Iran and the United States. The US have drawn their first two games of the competition against Wales and then against England at the weekend. Iran beating Wales puts them in a stronger position going into this. Will Rob Page be double screening it like the rest of us tonight? There's there's a feeling that with Bale in the team, there's always hope. He has produced time and time again when Wales have needed him. It's probably not wildly unrealistic to say that Wales can get a win but can all the other things fall into place for them? I, I don't think so. Um, I think there's there's no point in watching, you know, double screens and uh, and getting updates from the other game if you're not going to win the game in front of you because whatever happens in the other game, it still doesn't change the fact that Wales need to win um, and Wales need to, to do what's in front of them and, and beat England. I think that is a big enough carrot to dangle in front of them. I think even if they won 1-0 or 2-1 and still went out of the World Cup, I still think it's a huge result and it's, it would maybe go down as one of the biggest in Welsh history because it's at a major tournament and it's against the, you know, one of their biggest rivals that they, they seem to remind us of every every time they get to a major tournament. Oh, we'd, we'd love to beat England, we'd love to knock them out and, you know, that, that might not happen tonight but still a win would be would be huge for the team and huge for the confidence going into future uh, tournaments. You know, you've got Euros qualification coming up now. 
Um, they'll have their eyes on that. They'll probably fancy themselves to get into the Euros in two years' time. Um, and then, you know, they can go from there. But I think they've they've blew this uh, they've blew this qualification. To be fair, because Iran and USA are not the are not the biggest uh, threats. If you if you're looking to be better than one of them to go through, I don't think it's the biggest challenge in the world. But they made an absolute mess of the game against Iran. They were hopeless, and and then it all crumbled down in the final few minutes as well with. Hennessy getting sent off and then conceding two goals in in the last ten minutes. It's it's a, it's a real missed opportunity for them. But you know, I think they could still they could still be happy enough with their performance at a World Cup if they went and beat England by any scoreline tonight. So I'm not even sure it's about beating them by four goals and and knocking them out or beating them and hoping the other games a draw, which is entirely feasible, by the way. Like it, it isn't. It's not completely out of the question that USA and Iran could draw because they're both about as good as each other they've sh- they've showed Iran have showed they can play USA have in, in spells as well so it's not completely dead for them but I still think like Wills could be happy with what they did if they just turned England over um, in any in any capacity really uh, before we call it for part one predictions and final group B standings Joel we'll go to you first on this England-Wales tonight and Iran, United States. How are the games going to go down and who will be going into the last 16? Uh, I'll probably go 1-0 England. I just think it's going to be a very scrappy and stop and start game probably. Um, and I just I think England will definitely win, but I just believe that Wales are going to play like it's the last game, which it is. <laughs> uh, and to go through, to go, to go into the last 16... Well, if they win, if they score four, I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if they've scored four in like major tournaments combined, but yeah, they'll play like it's the last because it is. And from Iran, USA. Oh, that's a tough one. Just going off the USA performance against England, I was massively impressed. But then again, Iran against Wales when they they won that was impressive. But I think USA would just have enough, just because I thought I saw enough in their like press and their game plan to think that they they're good enough to go through so I'd go with USA for this one so England top USA second Marley give us your predictions for this one I think um, England will come from behind tonight to win I think I think Wales will score first um, and England will get a, an equaliser and then and then go on to win 3-1 um, and then in the other game USA need to win don't they which is the the uh, the thing a draw won't be enough for them because Iran will go through if that happens but I can see USA sneaking that one, um, like 2-1 or something like that, and it'll be England and USA uh, to progress. Okay, a transatlantic duo. That's the prediction from the guys. England and the USA into the last 16. If that does happen and England finish top of the group, they'll be taking on second place in Group A. As it stands, obviously there's their final round of games this afternoon, Ecuador would be England's opponents in the last 16. After the break, we're going to be looking into those permutations. Ecuador, Netherlands, Senegal, who will it be? Who do England want? Who can Gareth Southgate set his team best up against? And then we're going to be glancing a bit further along and the potential of France in the quarterfinals. All that to come after the break. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to Tuesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. We are still in World Cup mode, but we are taking a bold step into the knockout stages. England against Wales tonight and Iran against the United States will decide who from Group B is through to the last 16. Before the break, the guys predicted England and the United States to be the lucky ones progressing. So we're now going to look at the potential opponents for England in the last 16. So Marley, as it stands, second place in Group A is Ecuador. The Netherlands are top. Anticipation is that they will beat hosts Qatar, who've obviously been dreadful since the start of the tournament. And then it's a straight playoff between Ecuador and Senegal for the place in the last 16 and probably, possibly, according to your predictions, playing England. Who do you want? Ecuador or Senegal? Um, I'm, I'm not that bothered. <laughs> um, I think I think Ecuador have been more impressive than Senegal, but I think if Senegal um, turn up for a big game, I think they've got more talent and more problems that they can cause England. Um, so I, with that in mind, I'd probably probably fancy playing Ecuador in the last sixteen and uh, and seeing what happens after that because I think that's. Uh, a game we win sort of nine times out of ten. I think that they're not one of the best uh, South American sides that are out there, um, and there's more lurking later in the competition to uh, to to trip you up than than Ecuador. I think with with Senegal, it's kind of they've got a few like Edouard Mendy's in pretty terrible form at the minute, um, but I think in in big games they've just got that level that they could go to and they could find. Um, so I'd probably back Ecuador to. Uh, to play us in the in the last sixteen, but obviously it all depends on what happens at uh, three o'clock today. Joel, what's your take on this? Because as it stands, before those games kick off, it is Ecuador in the ascendancy. A draw will be enough to send them through second, maybe even top, depending on how Netherlands against Qatar gets on. Netherlands and Qatar is an interesting one as well because Louis van Gaal might be tempted to rest one or two players. Qatar have obviously been very, very poor. They've lost both of their games. They've only managed one goal so far. It has been very, very embarrassing for them. They could bite back and have a bit of an influence on how this group ends because it's not been good for them for many, many, many reasons. A win or even a draw in their last game would be a little slither of positivity and then could have a massive knock-on effect 
on who England face in the last 16. Yeah, I know you tried your best to big up Qatar there, but honestly, my Sunday league team looked better than them. I swear to God, they were so bad. Like one of the worst World Cup teams I've ever seen. And they've had six months to prepare with Uh, each other as well. (laughs) <laughs> literally they've known they're going to be in the World Cup for God knows how long now what eight years it has been so poor and yeah I don't think they'll ever see another major tournament again unless they really improve their football infrastructure and get some quality Qatar youth system in place because it was a poor showing from them and as for Ecuador, I mean, compared to uh, comparing Ecuador and Senegal, I think everyone forgets Ecuador finished above Colombia. They finished above Chile in the uh, qualifying for South America, and that's that's massive. Usually, Colombia are basically the, one of the favourites to go through every single World Cup tournament. So the fact that they managed to do that and keep so many really good teams, you know, Paraguay and so many others away from the World Cup shows they've definitely got a strong team. And the fact that they got a draw against the Netherlands um, and they had a really impressive display against Qatar. I know you have to take that with a pinch of salt. But the fact that they held Netherlands to a draw, I think it's stand- I-, I would probably favour them against Senegal, to be honest. And I think for Senegal, it was just so unfortunate that their talisman had to back out of the tournament, which may have been a different picture for them in this tournament had obviously Sadio Mane been fit enough to play. But yeah, I think Ecuador for this one. Qatar... I don't know what odds they are. They should be about 5,000 to 1 like Leicester. Maybe even more, to be honest, but it's definitely worth a punt, isn't it? Well, actually, no. I want to save a quid. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd definitely save you money on uh, on that one. So who are you going for to go through a second to face England? I would say Ecuador. Uh, it'll be a replay of the 2006 World Cup, was it? When Beckham scored that free kick and then bust out to... Portugal in the next round but yeah I'll say Ecuador for this one. Okay well if it goes as planned or as you guys have predicted England top of group B that means they'll take on the runners of runners up of group A in the last 16 I'm not going to tempt fate too much Marley I'm only going to go one little step further but if that means that England get through to the quarterfinals they'll be in the second half of the draw they'll be playing on December 10th in Alcor against either the winners of group D or the runners up of C that probably means Kylian Mbappe and France against England in the last eight. And anyone that's been wall charting the competition since they printed it off and blue tacked it to the wall will have been looking at this and thinking this is probably how it's going to go down for England if they top the group and if they get through the last 16. France have been incredible. They're already through to the last 16. Kylian Mbappe has taken the tournament to task. He seems to have be just wanting to dominate this tournament and be the best player at it. Could that be the end of the road for England if that's how it falls? Yeah, I, I think if that's how it falls, then I can't see England beating France in in any sort of capacity. Um, I think France and Brazil are the two teams which I, I wouldn't give England much of a chance against um, in in general. I think any other team. I think if we turn up and play our best, I think I think they could uh, the England team could could turn them over, but. Um, I'm not sure with uh, with them too. So I feel like if we got to uh, got to that stage in the quarterfinals and ran into France, that'd be the end of the road. But I was looking at the um, at the other the other side of the tree, and even though it looks harder on on paper, I think we've got more of a chance in the other side of the tree if we finish second in the group somehow. Um, and I think we'd run into Holland uh, in the last sixteen, but they haven't looked brilliant, Holland. I don't think. 
Um, and then in the last 16, it would be Argentina. And I think with with them losing to Saudi Arabia and being so top heavy, that if you could uh, if you could get at them, I feel like that's a more uh, a more not simpler because it's probably not the right word, but you know it's more feasible for you to go through. I think against Holland and Argentina, than wouldn't Argentina have to finish top of their group though? Yeah, so on that but, side. but they to do that they only have to beat Poland uh, tomorrow, I think. It's a big task for them, though, isn't it? Yeah, but Poland haven't looked amazing either, have they? So it's a pretty poor group, that, to be honest, with, with quite a lot of talent in it. I think that's been quite a quite an underwhelming group, that, to be fair. But, um, yeah, I think if, if that happened, I feel like, you know, then you get to the semi-finals, and I think it would be Brazil or Portugal after that. So, obviously, then you then you take your chances and stuff like that. But it's um, it's one of them where... If you if you get to the semi-finals and go out to Brazil, there's no shame in that. But if you get to the quarter-finals and run into France, you know there's no shame in losing to France. But still, it's one stage. You've got one stage fewer. You haven't got as far as a semi-final, and you know it's uh, it, it, when you look back at it through history, it's like oh, we only got to the quarter-finals in in that in that in that competition, and you know we didn't beat USA in the group stage, and it just doesn't look as good, but. If you're into Brazil in a semi-final, you can go. Yeah, fair enough. That's a that's a pretty uh, pretty good showing at a World Cup. Joel, where do you stand on this? Because the whole thing of you have to beat the best to get through, and it's the World Cup. You just have to beat the teams that are in front of you. It is relevant, and particularly as Marley said, when you get to the semi-final and then maybe even a final, it's just a case of whoever's there are there by merit, and you have to beat them if you want to go on and win the competition. But you can box a bit clever in the last 16 in the quarterfinals and a favourable draw is obviously a bonus. Do you think maybe the likelihood of facing France in the quarterfinals is an issue? And I'm not saying that England take a dive against Wales tonight, but if they do get in that other side of the draw and there is the potential of the Netherlands and then maybe Argentina or Poland, depending on how that group eventually shakes out, given that Gareth Southgate is the ultimate pragmatist, a pragmatic route to the semis and maybe to the final could be perfect for England. I, I go with the cliche that you got to beat the best to be the best. And I think in the last tournaments, England have very luckily tiptoed around the better teams until it's got to the latter stages. Whether that made them look a little bit better than they did, I don't know. But they did the job, which was win the group in both tournaments. And that's all you can ask for. And on this occasion, even if they win the group, which they should do as well, I truly believe that having France in the quarterfinals, I think the winner of that goes to the final, to be honest. Because on the other side, I know that France, uh, sorry, not France, uh, Spain and Portugal are on the opposite side who could potentially be faced in the semifinals, which again, two very tough teams. Honestly, to be honest, either side of the tree is going to be very tricky because the pressure will be ultra high. Having Netherlands in a round of 16 will be a very difficult game. Having Argentina, even though they're not the best at the moment, I still think that it'll be a massively difficult game because I think when teams get closer and closer to that finish line and they can see it, the game switches, the mentality switches very much where they can start to taste and believe that they can get to that final. And as we saw with England, you know, in the 2018 World Cup, the best team England faced was obviously Belgium in the group stages, which they came undone against. I know Southgate made a massive amount of changes in that game. But then after that, it was basically Croatia in the semi-finals and Croatia pretty much 
outplayed England for large portions of that. And Croatia were truly incredible side. They just were just unlucky to come against France, who were the better side in that tournament. But yeah, for England, you can't escape it. As soon as you get to the quarterfinals, you cannot escape a good team. This is the World Cup. You got to beat the, to win the World Cup. It proves that you are the best team in the world. So you got to play these teams. And to be honest, if it, if it was my choice, I'd actually rather be on the side that Marley's saying because I actually really want England to play some South American teams because on the side that England would be up against if they win the group it would just be all English teams obviously apart from Ecuador but I mean you know the bigger South American size I love us I love us to play those kind of ones but yeah win the group that's all I say get out of there with confidence and then just believe you can go all the way it's going to be interesting and uh, obviously all this is still at the permutations phase because at the moment <clears throat> the wall chart is looking pretty empty by the end of play today there will be four teams filled and then we just power on there's no more 10 o'clock games but the football is still coming thick and fast before we end the podcast I just want to switch back to domestic action uh, it's very easy to forget that the Premier League is still ongoing in the background of the World Cup Mali but the FA Cup third round has been drawn five all Premier League sides uh, sorry five all Premier League games Manchester City against Chelsea Liverpool Wolves Manchester United Everton Brentford West Ham Crystal Palace at home to Southampton Newcastle didn't get a uh, Premier League side in the draw they're away at Sheffield Wednesday what's your take on the draw I think it's a, a pretty eye-catching one. I kind of forgot it was on, <laughs> and then uh, and then um, my, my mate texts me. One of my mates is a Sheffield Wednesday fan. And he <laughs> said, "Oh, you know, see you win round three And I was like, "What? Oh, oh, oh Christ! I forgot about the FA Cup draw." Then I, I flicked it uh, flicked it up on the on the internet, and it was some pretty eye eye-catching ties in there. Man City Chelsea at the third round stage is uh, is the obvious one, but. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, five all Premier League ties could uh, could really thin out the the crowd um, for the, for the later stages because you look at you know five Premier League teams going out at this stage early on, and you know the leaves plenty of opportunity for them to draw each other. The ones that stay in to draw each other later on in the tournament, all the way before you get to the quarters and the semis and things like that, and you start dreaming about winning it. So. It's um it's a really interesting draw, but Sheffield Wednesday away for Newcastle is a nice uh, a nice one. A little bit of a banana skin. They're doing pretty well in League One, um, sort of pushing for promotion in that. I think the second or third at the minute. Um, and yeah, it's a proper old school FA Cup ground, proper nice big ground, and they'll they'll fill it with uh, with fans in the early stages of of January or mid January, whenever it is. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and for you, Joel, Manchester United at home to Everton. United have got a relatively solid record in the FA Cup in recent seasons, going back to 2016 when they won it and 2018 when they lost in the final. But they've generally got past the third round. The last time they fell at the first hurdle was 2014. But an all-Premier League tie against Everton, it, it won't be easy. Won't be easy, but I think it's probably the perfect time to play them. And I'd be massively surprised if Frank Lampard's still in charge by the time we actually do play them because I know the World Cup's very much broke up their poor run of form prior to the season uh, partially ending. Uh, but I think it will start as it left off, which is that they were struggling massively. And I think if it wasn't for the World Cup, he probably would have been dismissed 
pretty soon after in November time. So I think, yeah, it's a good draw for us, especially at home. I do love the, you know, the third round draws, which are at these really non-league sides. I prefer those so much more. I kind of wish that we would just get seeded to play against them in the third round just because they're way more enjoyable. And I know so many of my United season ticket friend holders um, hate having to be drawn at home in the third round because they know that they have to pay for it rather than just go and watch an away game which is way even more enjoyable so yeah it's, it's, it's a good tie for us I think the, uh, the practicalities of watching football in uh, 2022 or 2023 uh, as that will be but as Marley said given the fact that the season has been snapped in half the FA Cup could be February by the time it gets going uh, we're going to call it a day for today's edition of the Football Social Daily going to get you guys geared up face paint on uh, St George's Cl- uh, St George's Cross wrapped around your shoulders I imagine pretty much yep yeah. the, uh, the, the Wayne Rooney reboot is coming on that Nike advert like Joel said the other day <laughs> Joel face paint on ready to go to war yeah I mean in the last World Cup there was loads of flags going all up and down my road I don't know if everyone's just given up this year but um, <laughs> no one could be bothered <laughs> Christmas <laughs> lights only yeah all I'm seeing is Christmas light. Christmas lights I don't know if that's the replacement for uh, the flags but yeah, I think it's going to be a... It's a shame because in the summertime, everyone would have been out and, you know, going to watch it. But, you know, it's cold. It's cold here. It's four degrees. It's cold. I just want to sit in and watch it. Yeah, it's too cold for uh, for celebrating. I can't wait for that to be an excuse. If England do uh, fall out of the World Cup, it's too <laughs> cold to win the World Cup. That'll be a new one to, uh, to slot in. But uh, for today's edition, we are going to call it there. Ant and the guys will be back tomorrow reviewing Wales against England and obviously Iran, United States, the situation in Group A. So by this time tomorrow, we will know if England have confirmed, tick the box in their last 16 endeavours. Will Wales make it through or is it the end of the road for Gareth Bale? And who will England be facing in the last 16? All that to come on tomorrow's podcast. So don't forget, hit subscribe up the top and you can check out that episode and all of our World Cup content as we power through the competition. Thanks for listening and we'll chat to you soon. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.